a production of Pioneer Utility Resources. Heart of Community is supported by the MJ Murdoch Charitable Trust, helping community-focused organizations across the Pacific Northwest sustain their missions. Because when a powerful idea fulfills its promise, lives are changed, communities thrive, and our entire region prospers. Learn more at MurdochTrust.org. This is a comeback story. Imagine you're a boxer on the ropes, taking blow after blow. The bell sounds and you sag in your corner, wondering if you'll leave the ring standing. For the past year, this has been the experience of the arts in rural America fighting for survival during a pandemic. Those who make their living in the arts, along with all of us whose lives are enriched by them, have taken blow after devastating blow, returning to the ring for each new round with a pandemic that threatens to knock us down for the count. But as I said, this is a comeback story. The Heart of Community podcast will share stories of creative communities taking the pandemic's best shots and not only surviving, but thriving. It's a story we're simultaneously telling in the pages of Rural Light and Currents magazines. The Heart of Community podcast will share stories behind the stories as we hear from artists and difference makers from across the rural landscape. I'm Chastity Anderson, and I'll be your host. In this first installment of our 13-part series, we explore why arts and culture matter in places far from the big city and why Pioneer and Murdoch have teamed up to shine a light on rural communities. We'll also get a taste of two upcoming episodes— Stories of artists and their amazing resiliency against overwhelming odds. The arts is a natural fit with um, the kind of community-oriented journalism we've been doing for 60 years. That's Michael Shepard. He's CEO of Pioneer Utility Resources. For more than six decades, Pioneer has published magazines that dozens of electric cooperatives send to their consumers across the Pacific Northwest. The journalism that we provide is, is a bit less hard-edged than a newspaper, but people want to read about their community, know what's going on in their community. They're, um, they're vested there, and hearing the good stories about their neighbors and themselves um, is an important part of, of um of maintaining a sense of community. And, you know, we're able to provide that. Indeed, hundreds of thousands of residents of rural communities across Alaska, Oregon, Washington State, Idaho, and beyond receive a magazine each month from their electric cooperative. Produced by Pioneer, these pages share energy efficiency tips, food and travel features, and news about the local energy supplier. But these magazines do much more. I grew up in... um, uh, in my professional life in, in newspapers and um, I, I know and mostly community newspapers and I know that um, you know a significant factor in creating and maintaining a healthy community is having um, shared vision and shared knowledge um, and um, a place to coalesce and that's not always at City Hall it's not always at the elementary school um, it can be around uh, a topic that has been um, brought to light that, that is important to the community. And often that happens in newspapers and the rural communities that we serve. That can sometimes happen um, in our magazines where we're highlighting a need, someone who's tackling that need, and um, may need someone to come alongside them um, to make that even more successful. 
And, and that's the kind of difference-making journalism that we just love to um, produce with our utility partners. Shepard came to Pioneer in 2016. Not long after, he brought in fellow newspaper veteran Leon Espinoza, who he worked with at the Seattle Times. One of the things I was very interested in doing was finding out, okay, what kind of role could we play to enrich community? Can we actually make journalism in our magazines a verb? Can we be actively involved in inspiring people to participate in their communities, to make their communities better? And could we be a vehicle to do that by just telling the stories of the community, by engaging our readership? The magazines published by Pioneer are the ideal channel for making journalism a verb in these rural communities. Pioneer was formed in 1956 as a communications cooperative owned and directed by electric cooperatives across several states. Its role as a not-for-profit organization is to help its utility partners connect with their consumers, the families and businesses whose lives are powered by these cooperatives. Rural communities are vibrant places. They're places where there's a lot going on. They're places that deserve to have their story told, but um, nobody, almost nobody's telling those stories. There's just this enormous gap. And one of those stories is how the pandemic has devastated the rural arts. It's easy to see the national impact in general, with entertainment venues closed, theaters shuttered, and festivals canceled. But what about rural America? How have rural communities and the people who come from them responded to such dramatic changes? Changes that in many cases have significantly altered their way of life. How have citizens found inspiring ways to continue enjoying a sense of community, that sense of oneness with their fellow creatives, when the rules of society have been rewritten? These are the stories Espinoza and his team wanted to tell in the pages of their magazines. One thing we know is that um, even in the best of times, it's hard to be in the arts away from the big city, away from that kind of support. Um, you know, in a great year, you're, you're working hard to make it. And so we looked at that and we started thinking, I wonder... I wonder if we could actually help save the arts and preserve the arts in 2021. I wonder if in rural communities, we could tell a comeback story for the arts. Once the damage from the pandemic has passed or is in the midst of passing, hopefully. And so we just, it just it was an idea that stuck in the head. Could we play a role in actually helping and preserving and we could do so by not only shining a light on the arts and telling cool stories, but also giving people a way to connect and to participate themselves. The result is a series called Heart of Community, a year-long look at the extraordinary efforts of those who refuse to let the arts die at the hands of a pandemic. Through the pages of Pioneers magazines, along with this companion podcast, journalists are taking readers and listeners behind the scenes to see the struggles and triumphs of those committed to keeping the arts alive. But to tell this broad story, Pioneer needed help. They found that help in a proven partner with a shared mission. On the Washington banks of the Columbia River, Steve Moore looks out across a gorgeous view and the bustling development known as Vancouver Waterfront. This commercial and residential project became home in 2018 to the M.J. Murdoch Charitable Trust. Moore is its CEO. The mission of the Murdoch Trust is to nurture and enrich 
the educational, cultural, social, and spiritual life of individuals, families, and communities. And we do that through partnering primarily with nonprofits that are seeking to serve in arts and culture, science, health, uh, education, and human services. And so as we seek to partner with those different groups, we are also seeking to weave the fabric uh, for healthy and verdant culture and for the common good. The trust was the product of the last will and testament of Jack Murdoch. Murdoch, of course, never anticipated that the trust would be formed as early as it was. Uh, It actually was started after an untimely accident that Jack was in in an airplane uh, on the Columbia River uh, where he drowned. And so uh, following that, uh, he had named some of his close friends to be trustees. They pulled together all of the assets uh, and then brought them together to create the trust, which was about $91 million when it started in 1975. The Murdoch Charitable Trust approach is different from that of many such organizations. Instead of seeking to make a direct impact, its focus is on partnering with those already working to improve their communities. Uh, One of the things the Murdoch Trust believes about its mission is that we invest in building the capacity uh, of organizations so that they can fulfill their mission. And we often like to say that our fruit grows on other people's trees. Uh, When an organization is successful at fulfilling its mission, then we have fulfilled our mission. Moore found a new partner three years ago in Pioneer Utility Resources after previously meeting Mike Shepard at a monthly gathering for a faith-based organization. I've got to know um, Steve a little bit um, through that group and um, uh, as a result of that got interested in what um, Murdoch was all about. So started learning a little bit more about this um, important uh, charitable trust that was um, here in our Uh, in the greater Portland area, and it turned out they had uh, a particular interest in in areas that we tended to cover, like like the arts, and they had a particular interest in making sure that rural communities were not left out of access to education and, and proper medical care and the arts. It became apparent to Shepard that not only did the two groups share similar missions, but they also brought complementary strengths to the table. I came up initially with an idea and started talking with Leon about, there's this trust over here and they want to reach um, rural areas. I suspect that's a challenging thing for them um, because reaching rural communities um, is is more difficult because there's fewer media outlets. Um, quite simply. And um, we have tremendous reach into, you know, really interesting, hard-to-reach places like um, inside uh, the Arctic Circle, uh, for example, or very rural parts of Oregon and Idaho and Washington State. So essentially, we just struck up a conversation with Steve and and his um, colleagues at Murdoch and said, is that a problem you're looking to solve? And is, would there be a place for us to perhaps help solve that? The answer was yes. With support from Murdoch, Pioneer launched its first advocacy journalism project in 2019. 
a series that turned out to be ahead of its time. Espinoza explains. So our first series was The Changing Face of Rural Healthcare. Our very first installment was a look at telehealth three years ago. A look at, um, at who knew that three and a half years later, or three years later, that virtual healthcare was going to be at the forefront for all of us. Um, we told that story early, and we told about the the heroes of the movement in rural communities who are already doing that good work, and the difference it was making in the smallest of towns where they could get care even if somebody wasn't there physically. Reader input from that series led Pioneer and Murdoch to tackle another story, a subject that, while widespread and devastating, was potentially too controversial for a consumer-friendly magazine. The topic? The opioid epidemic. Readers trusted us. They trusted how we were going to cover um, the changing face of rural health care. And so in eastern Oregon, we found the heroes, the helpers, and, and hope. We found um, former addicts who were now helping others. And we were able to share that story, not only in the magazine, but we also had a video that pointed to help and that um, had the, that focused on the heroes of the story and the people who had overcome and pointed the way to, and here's where you can get help. That video we produced along with the magazine storytelling was the most shared thing we've ever done, which means we were actually um, potentially saving lives. And so that's the best kind of journalism. Rural health care and addiction are topics with an obvious direct impact on communities. But what about the arts? Do creative expression, entertainment, and art appreciation rise to the same level of importance as these topics? Why did Pioneer and Murdoch look to the arts as their next subject for a year-long journalism project? Here's Steve Moore. Yeah, one of the questions we sometimes get asked is, uh, why would you spend some of your resources investing in arts organizations? That seems to be maybe frivolous for some people's understanding. But what we know about the arts is, is that they are a key component of helping a community flourish and thrive. Uh, They often are a place where communities come together and uh, to be inspired and to be encouraged and to to be able to uh, work together. We know that the arts are also an economic engine in communities, that they uh, generate business and they help other businesses to be more successful. But one of the most important things about the arts is that they really, as we've learned in this pandemic, uh, we've learned that the arts are an important part of the mental health of a community. And so they bring together people Uh, They help uh, create and uh, connect people, and they also really inspire us and encourage us and bring out creativity. When he thinks about how the arts have impacted him and how everything from songs to movies to plays nurture people through various points in their lives, he's concerned about the damage being done to the arts community by the pandemic. Well, One of the ways that we've seen arts organizations threatened is that people sometimes uh, take the approach of out of sight, out of mind. Uh, They think, 
if people aren't attending or participating in activities that relate to the arts, that there's no need to be supporting the arts. But we all know that there are infrastructure costs that have to be supported. He's encouraged, however, by the stories of how the arts community has responded. We've heard great stories in communities of arts organizations pivoting and helping the schools with some of their co-curricular and extracurricular activities or providing uh, outdoor activities that have supplemented the kind of learning experiences that that are needed for families and for individuals. And so that's one of the ways that I think we recognize that arts organizations are creative themselves in the way that they've been able to uh, pivot and to work and serve their communities in exceptional kinds of ways during COVID. And Murdoch is helping well beyond its sponsorship of journalism in Rural Light Magazine. We have created a special COVID response arts resiliency program to help organizations as they plan and as they re-enter into being able to fully deploy their mission in communities. And so if you know of an arts organization that could benefit from uh, kind of arts resiliency planning and programming, uh, don't hesitate to contact the Murdoch Trust or encourage them to contact Murdoch. As the Heart of Community series unfolds in the pages of Rural Light Magazine this year, that chance meeting between the CEOs of Murdoch Charitable Trust and Pioneer Utility Resources continues to bear fruit. Their partnership has heralded the work being done in rural health. It's lifted opioid addiction from the dark recesses of rural society and pointed a spotlight on those helping to save their neighbors and family. Now that partnership is elevating the critical nature of the arts before hundreds of thousands of readers. And there's no missing the common threads that run throughout these stories. You know, it's been said that we need to seek first to understand and then to be understood. And some of what I think uh, the efforts by uh, nonprofits and by community leaders at trying to build bridges instead of build walls, to build bridges among uh, racial and ethnic groups, to build bridges between uh, people of different political persuasions, uh, to build bridges and partnerships so that people can say, you know, we may not agree on everything, but we know we want good schools. We know we want good health. Uh, We know that we want our children to thrive in education. We know that the arts can speak to us in ways that help us see the world a little bit better, a little bit differently. In upcoming episodes of this podcast, you'll meet artists whose lives were disrupted by the pandemic and others whose very livelihoods were taken away overnight. You'll hear how professionals and hobbyists alike assessed and adapted, making the best of a bad situation and sometimes creating something new and alive in the process. 
To offer a glimpse into what to expect, we hear from two voices featured in upcoming episodes. We start with Mark Steigner, the artistic director and conductor for the Columbia Gorge Orchestra Association. The group had just opened a play when pandemic precautions shook the community. Uh, we were just watching what schools were doing and precautions they were taking. And of course, you know, we were looking at our demographics and our population and our and our performers and trying to be as safe as possible. So we had one weekend of West Side Story uh, on March 6th, 7th, and 8th, I believe. And then right after that, schools closed. And of course, we were out of a, a location, so uh, we were unable to carry on. The pandemic response also put a stop to plans for a summer musical. To keep the youth engaged with the arts, Steigner decided to write a show tailored for the new reality. He called it My Life in a Square. My Life in a Square basically takes, you know, the fact that everybody's in their little Zoom squares. And in spring, that was not still a novelty, but it was becoming a way of life for everyone. So that was the premise, you know, that we're, we're in this and it's a group of middle school kids who are on Zoom and their teacher doesn't show up. Where's Mr. Kramer? His video isn't on. He always forgets. Are you there, Mr. Kramer? Can you hear us? So they basically have to take over the class on their own and they kind of share their concerns about what's happening and confusion about what's happening and misinformation and that's that's the premise of most of the songs uh, on the show. While writing an original play with all original songs may have been a tall order, it wasn't the only difficult task ahead of them. The the difficulty of course came from the technical aspects of them having to record uh, because I wrote the music and I recorded backing tracks and guide tracks for them to follow, but ultimately they had to do the recording on their own at home. And, you know, for everyone, that's a challenge, uh, especially for middle school kids who might not have equipment at their house, and most of it was done on cell phones. And so that was that was probably the hardest part, I think, is getting everybody together and figuring out the technology on their end. To hear how the people of the Columbia River Gorge region overcame these and other challenges to keep the arts alive, listen to episode two of our series, The Show Must Go On. Here's one more. Growing up in Alaska, all Caitlin Warbelow ever wanted to do was play music. Her talents and her passion took her from the snowy wilderness to the stages of Broadway and back to Fairbanks to regroup at the start of the pandemic. Our story finds Warbelow in early March 2020 as a musician in the Tony Award-winning production of Come From Away. On March 12th, we got an email around 5 p.m. or so saying that the show was shutting down and that we had two hours to get up to the theater and grab anything that we needed from the theater, and then they were, they were locking the whole thing down. Steeped in the traditional music scene of New York, Warbelow knew she wasn't the only artist who would be out of work. I was pacing around the house trying to figure out what to do next, um, and I was thinking about the fact that my fellow uh, traditional Irish musicians were coming up on 
um, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, and all of those gigs were getting canceled very quickly. Just within the space of a few days, they all got canceled. And the thing about St. Patrick's Day for Irish musicians is that's the time where you can make a, a good amount of money. Um, you know, one of the only times it's guaranteed that you could make a bit of money for your rent. Uh, so I was thinking about all my friends who weren't weren't in the same position that I was, where I had a you know up to that point a steady job. Uh, what could I do about it? What Caitlin and her partner Chris Rainey did about it was create something spectacular, something that has grown into a worldwide online community and continues to expand in scope. Virtual connections are no replacement for the sense of community that artists and audiences alike crave. Still, the project and programming launched a year ago by Warbelow and Rainey is meeting a need that lies at the heart of the human experience. I think music um, has always been something that people go to, um, both in times of, of happiness and also in times of, of sadness and grief. And it's it's very built into our our brains to um, you know to go to go to music. It's one of the, as I understand it, one of the first. Um, things that developed in, in humanity was um, our ability to sing and, and communicate with music. So I, I think it's just a very, very deep held um, sort of uh, art form that, that we go to at, at, at all different times. Tune in to episode three, The Music Goes On, to hear how Warbelow is connecting artists and fans around the globe through the power of music. This podcast is a companion to the written series Heart of Community, which you'll find in the pages of Rural Light magazine. Read them in your local copy of the magazine or visit RuralLight.com. That's R-U-R-A-L-I-T-E dot com. Our show, as well as the magazine series, is made possible in part by the generous and thoughtful support of the M.J. Murdoch Charitable Trust. You can learn more about their significant work at murdochtrust.org. Heart of Community is a production of Pioneer Utility Resources. Our producer is Stephen B. Smith, our editor, Leon Espinoza. The series narrator is yours truly, Chastity Anderson. Sarah Wooten is our associate producer. Our engineer is Lucas Smith of Lucky Sound Studio. A special thanks to the writers who brought these stories to life in print, along with those whose voices and music you hear in this program. The series would not be possible without their help. Thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. And please share these important stories with someone who needs to be uplifted, encouraged, and inspired. For that, after all, is the mission of the arts and the heart of our community.